Hello and welcome to Touch On Air. Uh, ben here as always alongside me is Golo. Golo, how are you? Yeah, very well, mate. Very, very well. And we also have the champion of the Westgate Stainless 300 event, Stu Sell. Hey, Stu. Hey, boys. How's it going? Yeah, all good. How does it feel to hear the name champion next to your name after a year of not being able to play any sport? Yeah, it's, uh, it was a good feeling. It was nice. I, I have to admit, and uh, I, I'm sorry to say this, Golo, but I, I literally didn't see myself winning more than two matches especially after I walked on against Golo and like the first couple of serves you hit were like bouncing over my head and I couldn't I could I wasn't really keeping up with the ball. I wasn't keeping up with the grass. So it was all a bit of a surprise really. Um probably got quite lucky to be to be honest. Yeah so take us back to our your first match of this event. If I if the rumours that I heard, because I didn't hit see your first match, are correct, you uh, you lost the first set for love. Yeah, so I, when I say I didn't expect to win more than two matches, to be clear, I did expect to win two matches. <laughs> um, and I can't remember what my second round was. It was my second round was going to be between George uh, and Ian Webb. And so I was kind of looking to that one and thinking, right, that would be a nice kind of warm up ahead of playing playing Golo. And if I am going to find some form, then I'll find it in my second round. Because all I know about this guy in the first round, I think his name was Oscar. Um, I know his name was Oscar. I'm saying at the time, I think his name's Oscar. Is that Clayton told me in the live stream that you guys did the draw on. Yeah. Um, that he'd never played before. And so I'm walking into my first round looking at this guy and I'm thinking he's either got all the gear and he's about to just like blow me off the court or he's got all the gear and absolutely no idea. And unfortunately for me, it was the former. And so I walked on and I was very rusty, still warming up my shoulder. Um, but this guy was just like pinging forehands left and right. And I wasn't really making too many shots, especially on my backhand. And so within about five minutes, I was four love down. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? And I don't mean to sound cocky, but I, 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 you know, you don't expect, I'm sure guys the same, you don't expect to rock up to a tournament and lose first round. And you don't expect to rock up to a tournament and lose to someone who's never played before. Um, I um, <laughs> well, like, Ben, I know like you played unbelievable in your first round. You were you were a different man. Thank you. Um, you were against Seth. That was one of my I've ri- actually written down, forgive me because this is really cringe. I've written down some of my highlights from, from the weekend. No, oh, we'll go through them in a bit. And one of my highlights was watching your first round against Seth. It was just sat there in the sun, like absolutely chilled out. I wasn't broken at this point. Um and you guys were playing a great match. It was it was a very I was very and that's it's probably easy to say because I did win but win or lose I was happy with that match but yeah we'll we'll, we'll come back to some highlights in a bit so so you're four love down how do you t- how do, what, what went through your mind when you're turning that around uh, well I think I actually went four love one love down and then I was like oh my god this has got potential to be like double vagal I'm, I'm pretty embarrassed at this point but we've been there before and you know all of us have played so many tournaments where you you have a bit of a slow start and I think if you're not particularly experienced then that can just overwhelm you and you lose concentration. And three games later, you know, in my case, I would have been full of full love. But I think we've all played it for long enough now to know that if you just keep your keep your head up, keep your focus on literally every single shot of every single point, and don't don't get dismayed by the scoreline, then you can very easily come back. Which thankfully, in this case, I did. And I took a bit of pace off my serve. Actually, I just thought, you know what, you know, in some cases, I need to use my serve as a weapon. But against someone who hasn't played before, I, I don't think I do. I think if I just put the flip 
flipping thing in the court and get into a rally I've got to back myself from the back of the court and so you know he was a really good player but more importantly he was a great guy I really hope to see him at another tournament actually because he was just a solid guy good sense of humour about it he was kind of commenting um, not to put words in his mouth but he commented a couple of change events that it wasn't as serious as the competitive map to- like tennis tournaments that he played and you know it's no surprise to hear that but it was just great to see him having a great like a really fun time at a touch tennis event because we all know how likely that is so you two ended up obviously playing each other and we'll come to that in a second but Golo talk us through so obviously your your first round was probably the complete opposite of Stu's first round um, <laughs> but let's talk about your second round so you, so you played against James Weller 5-3 yeah. all up 5-3 three, three all in that set a bit worried or no? Uh, I was uh, so James he was actually Oscar's friend um, and they'd been playing together uh, you know in between their training sessions they'd go and play a bit of touch and then obviously found out about the event and that's how they got into it um so yeah like like oscar he was a bit of a player um could hit some good balls but like Stu said just the you, you know how to play the right points at the right time and yeah just i was just a bit too solid on the big points wish i could say the same <laughs> well, yeah, but you were solid in the right points well, I, I guess yeah I've, I've been so used to not myself down on this podcast and then I've come back and I've actually won a match so uh but then okay so then you two played each other and obviously Stu came through there 4-1 4-5 4-1 let's get Golo's perspective first for you how did that how was that Matt you know you took the first set were you feeling quite confident quite happy yeah I mean I was happy I'm happy with the new balls the new balls are good the the change of pace initially is good the old balls kept their pace and they were just rapid, weren't they? So you played like the big servers, like Stu's serve is just so hard to receive with that old ball. And then I just I felt comfortable. And Stu was making errors, and then Stu stopped making errors. And I think I I think I just sat back a bit too much and was expecting Stu to continue to make errors. And I wasn't pushing the same. And the ball slowed down loads and just kind of stopped playing in my favour. I didn't adjust well enough. Simple. Fair enough. I mean, you mentioned during the match or I think after the match maybe, but obviously as much as we do like the new balls, when they slow down, they really slow down as they get kind of ripped towards the end where the last ones wasn't quite the case. Um, so throughout the match now, it really does make a huge difference of the quality of ball. Um, I mean, even for my perspective, usually I'm just looking for a rip. If it's a rip, it's a bad ball and I'm getting rid of it. But now as soon as it's kind of chewed up, there's quite a big difference in the pace of play. Um, Stu, from your perspective, you know, again, another another match where you're a set down, you managed to pull it around. How, how was your mind that day? You must Your mental strength must have been unbelievable. Well, I think it's, uh, like I said, because I haven't played for quite some time, my expectations were pretty low which I think sometimes helps you quite a lot there's I use like golf as an example because I'm going to play golf this afternoon hence the the ridiculous collared t-shirt under my sweater so ignore that but in golf you could not play for a year and rock up to the first tee and ping it down the fairway and knock it in for a par and think god it's like I've never been away from this sport but genuinely walking onto court like I said against Golo I was thinking this is too quick for me I'm not my, my eyes and my head and my kind of focus aren't ready for this speed especially like what I said the brand new ball which I know is slower than the old one but it's still got a zing on it if you can if you can you know get over the top of the ball like Golo can with his serve and if you ping him forehands to my backhand and then to my forehand and then to my backhand and I've got to move a lot I was thinking this is just too quick for me so thankfully the ball slowed down a bit as as you said I slowed down a bit because I thought at this pace I can't win this match so I had to slow the ball down, chuck in a few slices, which isn't my strength at all, but I just needed the point to slow down a bit because I needed 
him to slow down a bit as well. There probably was, Golo, like you say, there probably was one point when if you'd have put your foot on the gas early in the second set and blown me away for a couple of games, I probably wasn't anywhere near coming back. But oh, thankfully, yeah. you, I slowed down a bit and you slowed down a bit. And then when you get to a tie break like we did in the second, it's just lottery, isn't it? And I, we, say, I say lottery in the truest sense in that, in that I think I got three net cords in that tie break. <laughs> it was something silly like that. It's, but it's then really, not like- I know, whenever you get a net cord in such tennis, you always celebrate and everyone's like shouting justice at the top of their voice. It's one of those where I couldn't even do it. I was like, I was cringing at how lucky it was. So I'll, I'll, I'll say sorry again, Golo. But Golo, you then kind of got a bit of, away from the singles now, you got a bit of bittersweet revenge in the doubles um, <laughs> against the Goat and Stu. <laughs> Now, Stu, there's going to be many people listening to this podcast that could only dream of saying that they've partnered the GOAT. What What is that like? Well, it's taken long enough. I've known him for seven or eight years and we've never played together. So, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly, I think there was one podcast, maybe your second episode, I can't remember where it was, but they said that they would pick my hands. And I was thinking, you must not have seen me play because I, I have not, like, if I've got a comfortable volley, I'm happy with my hands. I can kind of, you know, show a little bit of touch, but I'm not known for my net play, especially in doubles. And so Rash has probably dodged me for many, many years knowing that because he'd rather play with someone like Hass or Golo where they can kind of control the net a little bit more. Um, but we just had a great time like you know he's he's shouting whether it's on the good end of the spectrum or the telling you you're a complete muppet end of the spectrum every single point that goes by there's a laugh or a celebration or a complete and utter you know berating of my abilities so you know he's a he's a total and utter character as we all know but i just love him he's just such a good mate of mine and all of ours and it's just so much fun to be around yeah I went, I know. So I watched the first set of that. And I think at one point, without even talking to you, I think he just he just decided he was going to start on the same side as you as, as the net player. Yeah. On a scale of one to 10, how much did you just want to serve it out the back of his head? Oh, I was getting tired because, well, I mean, I suppose eight, eight out of 10, but I was getting told to do it because the people on the side were like, serve it at him, serve it at him. And I, was I think like, that was me. After I've been told to do it, I can't do it. Uh, but you're right. Uh, apparently, that's a new tactic. Because I said to Golo, because they did it later on in our match, and I said, is this something you guys do now? And apparently it is. The volleyer to start on the same side as the server, because I suppose the angle from the returner to the volleyer that way is a little bit bigger, and therefore you've got more time to react. I mean, we've done it. We've done it for a while. And um, yeah, essentially, you're either forcing them to hit line which if someone is hitting a big serve it's tough to do if not they're just hitting it straight into the path of your racket I mean it made sense it's just that we didn't speak about that at all before <laughs> he just stood there on the same yeah, side of him I was like no no, no Rashid it's, it's 15 all mate and he's like yeah I know I'm standing here <laughs> I couldn't have, I don't think I could have done that with my partner I'm sure many of people that have are listening have seen the amazing clip of George Smith where I'm pretty sure it's actually a let cord that doesn't even come over and he claims that it's ridiculous hands from him and then he begins to put two overheads in the net and then one that the as Saki said it's just absolute beautiful ball flight it's just like a plane just taking off right into the wall right off the top of the frame and I mean as much as you know we did well in that event to make the semis and we really wanted to play Golo and Hass in the final but after those three points we did not deserve to be on that court <laughs> but yeah so Golo, let's just talk about the doubles a little bit. Obviously, congratulations on first title of the year. That must be received well in uh, camp of Hass and Golo. Yeah, no, we're happy. Uh, starting a year off with obviously 100% success rate. And uh, well, I think last year we won 100% of the doubles we played as well. So yeah, seeing if we can continue that form. And I mean, you know, you look at your scores, fall love, fall love. Four love five three, four love four two, four love four love. It's pretty comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's you know without making your head too big it's 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 a could potentially be seen as a little bit of a breeze um just out of interest you know from yours and Hass's perspective what sort of pair out there are you actually kind of when they come on court you're like oh god we got to switch you know we got to switch it on here i know you switch it on against a lot of people because you you know you can't it's not as if you're just breezing through these without focusing against people like Serlam rash but in terms of ones where you think they could take us here, what what sort of pair would and you could make a pair here out of two players? What sort of pair would scare you a lot? Oh, if we put Stu and Al on the court, that would be tasty. I think two yeah. big servers and two people that sort of have a big presence at the net that would be daunting. Has that um, pairing ever happened? Have you ever played with him? Um, no, I don't really know Al very much to be honest. Like he's a he's a tough guy to play as we all know but we tend to just rock up to the tournaments and either we play against each other or we play against different people and most of the time at tournaments if you if it's especially if it's a big one you kind of spend most of the time in between matches trying to recover from the previous match so at the the weekend if i wasn't just lying down i was stretching or i was eating or whatever and al has only been around i want to say two years maybe three years at most and so I'd like to spend a bit more time with Al and, and maybe even play doubles with him. Yeah, it's been a while. I'll just look back. God, I lost it whilst I'm listening. I'll just look back. The last time you guys lost together was against Al and Mikey Paling. Yeah. I mean, nobody gets a look in uh, with Al as a partner because Mikey's fully lost in that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're probably never going to partner him. Yeah. Okay, so Stu, you said you had a nice little list of highlights. Go on, talk us through them. Mm-hmm. What highlights have you got written down? Well, funnily enough, we've talked through most of them already just by like, chatting about the event in general. But I, I bloody enjoyed playing doubles with Rashid. That was good fun. Like you said, yeah. the first time I've done that. And it's just literally, you know, ser- singles, it's not serious because like we've said, it's all about fun in touch. But you can get a little bit competitive and a little bit juicy. So yeah. to play doubles where it's not really as serious at all is is just a nice kind of change of pace. The sunshine. I know it's such an under like it's so easy to just take it for granted. But when is the last time you spent a whole day just like sat in the sun and playing playing sport in the sun? I actually yeah. came back. I came back a bit red, and Joe told me off for not, not putting sun cream on. Um, but uh, uh, what seeing people like seeing you guys? You know, I've, I've thankfully spoken to you both a little bit in the last six months to a year, but not actually seen each other face to face and. Seeing Hass and Seth and um, Al Mazzetti's, you know, he's one of my best best mates over the last kind of five, ten years. And to catch up with people, like, not doing what we're doing now, which is obviously great fun, but I, I spend all my time doing this during the week. I'm, I'm working, I'm doing video calls or I'm on, on my laptop. Um, not that I don't love my job because I do, but actually to see people in the flesh is just such a nice nice thing to do and you can take it for granted I put down the tie break against Golo purely because I, I love tie breaks especially when you win them just because it was just like I say, it was a bit awkward getting those net cords but it was just quite funny as well um, <laughs> the the Cajun chicken burger that I had that was outrageous <laughs> I'd have that again big shout out to the barbecue I was just a bit too late for um, the the generous the generous offer of um, Rashid paying for everyone's food I'd already bought mine by that point on there that was incredibly yes. kind by Rashid. The match against George, which I know I said earlier, was um, I was only going to see that as a bit of a warm-up match, but he didn't even let me use it as that, to be honest. It was one of those where he didn't he didn't think he was going to get a point. He didn't think he was going to get a point before we started. So it was the least serious match I've ever played in my life. Like I think there was one point where he tried to hit me with a serve and I was stood behind the baseline. 
I don't want to quote him, but I'm pretty sure the words are along the lines of like, I'm not going to win this. So I'm just going to go for outright highlight reels. He, did have, couple, match yeah. he did have a couple. Right? I'd be interested for, for Rash to watch back all the footage of that match because there was a couple of outrageous points. Uh, um, and then the last one is just the grass, to be honest. I mean, oh. you, we've played touch tournaments on indoor hard, outdoor hard, AstroTurf. You played on car parks or whatever. That surface at Wolverhampton, and whilst I'm on it, thank you if you're listening from the club because that club is beautiful yeah. and great fun to be at. But the grass was incredible. So smooth. I can't remember the last time I played a grass court event and didn't once complain about a bounce. I completely agree. Yeah. I didn't not once. I didn't. I literally not once did I say, "Oh, that bounce is horrific." They, they were unreal, weren't they? Even, even after four or five matches on one court, it didn't even tear up. Like there wasn't brown patches at all. The the main court held up so well throughout the whole day. I mean, if you think of all the matches that were on there, and obviously like tennis courts on grass, like obviously the baselines are they get ripped up. But obviously where touch tennis is smaller, the chances of us walking over the same patch and ripping the same patch is so much higher. Yeah. And they still were just immaculate condition as we got to the final against you and Hass, which was, yeah, just in- incredible. Um, and I was very fortunate enough to be able to play on that court, which was really, really nice. Such a special court, that one. That looks so good. Yeah. So aesthetically pleasing. It was good. slightly less aesthetically pleasing after Golo decided to go crashing through one of the boards. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it did get a bit greasy. That was the only, that's the only thing that I would say, because obviously I fell, Hass took a big fall. Yeah, but so it was a little bit greasy, but that's nothing. Yeah, nothing that can be done about that. You can't, blame, the that. You can't even blame the shoes either. Well, that's. No. Did you have grass court shoes on? I didn't. Um, I, I I couldn't find mine unfortunately, but I don't think it would have made a difference. I'm only mentioning Golo shoes because he had those. Um, I've never seen them before. Maybe I'm not paying yeah. close enough. Maybe I'm not paying paying close enough attention to tennis these days. But the laceless ones, no laces. Yeah. Not sure just, we got there. Just, just to save energy on doing laces up to reserve that pretty for much, Pretty much, I'm, I haven't quite got to that level of intellectual uh, intellectuality where I can uh, tie my own shoelaces. Right, it just it saves that one extra squat every five minutes, doesn't it? Just to- more than the gaze, isn't it? It's like cycling. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Golo, any highlights from you for the event you know, that we haven't spoken about? Same as Stu, everything. I mean. I love obviously I just love playing doubles with Hass it's just so much fun even even if like the scoreline doesn't say we've had a a close match we've still had a fun match we've still had some highlight reel points we've still lost points like games have been close um, like playing Stu and Rash there was definitely a point where we'd already won the match and Rash overruled it and we ended up playing another game but it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's just so so enjoyable. It's funny you say that because Cara, uh, my partner, who came to watch and had never met Rashid before, I was on court at that time when you guys were playing and she was watching your match and I came off and she was like, this guy keeps making up rules and Golo and Hass are getting really annoyed because they're just obviously not real. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, well, they're obviously not real, but the guy doesn't understand and everyone else knows that they're not real and he just seems to be cheating. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's... It's fine. He created the sport, so he can do what he wants. Uh, but yeah, I was think, that, was I, that... think one of them, I think one of them was made up. I think one of them he genuinely was because he showed it to me. It was like um, so. It, obviously, there's the rule in singles where if you're stood inside the boundaries of the court and the ball hits you, then you lose the point. But if you're stood outside, then you don't lose the point. Yeah. 
But what Rashida is saying is that since the doubles rule where you have to start in the service box, if the ball hits you, but you're not in the service box, then you're okay. You don't lose the point for that. The server loses the point. Yeah, so I think what he's saying is basically the, the receiving partner, if the receiving partner gets hit while in their own service box, they don't lose the point. The server loses the point. But if you encroach the service box of where they're trying to aim and you get hit, you would lose the point, I believe. Yeah. I know there was That's lots right. of discussions about that. Um, but I think, that, you know, and it's always a rule that kind of baffles me in tennis is that, you know, if I'm stood at the net in my service box and I get tagged with a serve and they then win the point, it's like, well, that serve was never going in. Like whether I'm here or not, that serve was never going to go into the service box that's 10 foot to my right. So in touch tennis, that makes sense. Like, you know, it's, if I wasn't there, it's not going to make a huge deflection and go into that service box. You were never going to make it. So you shouldn't win the point because you hit me. I don't know. I mean, and I don't mean to I don't mean to question your doubles court positioning, but if the service box, <laughs> if it's ten foot to your right, mate, you probably want to move a little bit. Yeah, well, he's I'm on court two, up. and he's play, meant oh, to be I'm... playing on court one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm actually on the wrong court. Um, yeah, oh, damn it. So, just on behalf of well, everyone really, um, and especially Touching Air and everyone that played the event. Just we, you know, we all want to say a massive thank you to Clayton for running this event. Um, it can't be, I mean, Gola, you're obviously trying to prepare an event at the moment. It can't be easy to run an event during these times with all these restrictions, all these rules. Um, but it was done seamlessly and it was done effortlessly. Everyone obeyed every rule that was in place. Um, you know, it was great that we were able to have a barbecue as well, stuff like that. The, the club were really great at hosting the event and we'd all probably go there at the drop of a hat if another event came up because it's just such a nice place but yeah thank you to everyone sponsors obviously uh westgate stainless thank you for sponsoring the event golo any news on your event yet or still it's still rumbling yeah it's still in the works at the moment we're only allowed i think it's 32 people on site right so we wouldn't be able to have a bigger draw than 32 and we wouldn't be able to have any spectators. Right. And it means that anyone that's at the club sort of any like committee members or something that would be there to help out, we wouldn't be able to have any of them. Um, No members would then be allowed to come and play on the Astro while the tournament's going on. We would literally be able to just have the 32 of us. Yeah, that would. Um, And yeah, I mean, I don't, I think we would probably want to have a bigger draw than that. We would get a bigger draw than that. And also, I think we do want to have some people there spectating. We uh, Obviously, at the tournament at the weekend, we had people there watching and they all loved it. It, it just adds to the atmosphere, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, massively. Um, I think a massive thing that helped me through the match with Seth was the fact that, like, you know, I had people just watching the match and cheering good points. And just, you know, if that happens, you know, if that happens a few courts down and Seth hits a great shot and there's no kind of reaction, I might take it a bit more mentally tough like oh god I should have won that point maybe but as soon as I see people it's like actually no that was just too good and I'm a bit calmer I'm ready for the next point I don't know I just really I don't often get on those courts where you've got people around watching but that yeah made such a you know to go from being stuck indoors all for a year to playing in front of a little crowd was really really nice right Stu we're gonna crack on because I know you've got some notes on this I reckon for your perfect touch tennis player I do have some notes again forgive me Forgive me if I'm looking down at my sheet, but when I heard when I heard Murph, uh, I think it was the last episode, do his list, he was reading from some quite extensive notes, and so I thought, I set the bar. That has set the bar. No, I was just gonna say, I love that. Like you know, we created this for a bit of fun, and people are you know taking time out of the day to I must make my perfect touch tennis player and take notes. It's really cool. I'm only gonna flash this because I don't want you to look too carefully at it, but that's the extent of my notes. Today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, well, let's um, start with the serve. 
Whose server are you picking? You can't pick so your own. All of them have got a bunch of candidates, so I'll rattle through them. Um, long time ago since he played, but Sean Thornley serve. The guy serves off a crane because he, he's quite tall already. He's got long arms and he jumps and he hits it from like four feet inside the baseline by the time he makes contact. And he's already at the net before the ball's even got to your racket. So that's why I had him as a candidate for volleys as well, but we're on the serve. Alex Bond's serve because it's a left, it's one of the only big lefty ones. So it, it poses you a really different problem. If you've had big right-hand servers serve to you for a few tournaments in a row, and then you suddenly come up against Bull, it's quite tough to receive. Obviously, Golos. Obviously, Miotos. Um, Elliot Seabrook, when he was on his when he was on his uh, on his good days, um, he had a great serve. And when I say on his good days, I mean whether he cared about playing well or not. He, 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 if he cared, he served well. If he didn't, he didn't. Guy Thomas, another one of the only big big lefty servers, and again Andrew Laurel. But by the way, that guy has bulked up since I saw him last. Laurel, is it just me? I mean, last time I saw him, please don't take this the wrong way, Laurel, but he was quite skinny. And then I saw him at the weekend. He was he was got, he'd got some muscle on him. Big lad, James. Who are you choose? I'm, I'm going Bull. Bull. I, I, I really don't like receiving his serve. Fair enough. Alex Bull. There's a lot of people out there that don't. Forehand. Yeah, let's go. Who's forehand you got, Dan? So there's one I really don't like facing, which is Matt Pierce. And to be honest, I don't like facing him in general because I, I never, ever do very well. But you spend so much of the match thinking, God, I need to keep it on his backhand because his forehand is so whippy. It's not necessarily the hardest, but it's pretty accurate and he whips it so you can't really tell where it's going I was going to put Sean Murphy in my list but he dissed myself last week he said that <laughs> he said that uh, he said that Pierce could do things with his serve that I couldn't <laughs> and that offended me <laughs> uh, oh, me and Golo did talk about that afterwards we were like what so I'm not including I'm not including him even though he can he can rep beforehand I'm not sure I've heard his name mentioned in one of these perfect player things yet but David Mokes has got a belter of a forehand uh-huh. He does rip it. I mean, it's it's a shame he hasn't got that on the other side as well because he'd probably win tournaments with those two shots, but his forehand is really good. Uh, Maka is just a bomb. Um, yeah. But again, it depends what Maka shows up. Haas, obviously... But the one I'm going with, and I don't know if this is controversial because he's not known for it, but I'm going with Robbo, Simon Roberts, for his forehand. And that is purely because, again, you spend so much of the match going into his backhand and he's slicing and slicing and it's painful. And then you think, oh, I better change it up and go into his forehand. And then suddenly he just rips it the other way. And I'm like, oh, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. I actually saw the pain in your face there as you were talking about Golo, uh, not Golo, uh, Robbo slicing the ball. I could just see you having like mini flashbacks of points where you like, God, this guy doesn't miss. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really tough to break down. It, it's possible. It's been done for, for, I think there was a three year period where no one beat him. Um, yeah. And that, that slice was a big, big part of it. Um, um, with Robbo for that one. Okay. So who's back and are you going to choose? So I've got a few for this one. Not as many actually, because I actually don't, I've had a real think about this. There's no one who's backhand or really fear very much. Like for me, going into someone's backhand is generally a neutralizing thing to do because there's no way anyone is like, zinging a backhand past me or, or anyone really whereas on the forehand side you can really get over the top of the ball and put it away from someone or go for an angle or go big or deep or whatever no one does that on the backhand the only person that possibly does that on the backhand um, is Golo whereby you've seen him after like three or four backhands that one at the Masters Cup in particular yeah. <laughs> you just like opened up your shoulders and your hips and yeah. just absolutely cleaned it but I think A I think only one-handers can do that I don't think two-handers can do that and B, 
I've always the one-handers. I think it's only really you that can do that. But I don't like it enough for it to be my backhand. I'm sorry, Golo. <laughs> Fair enough. Super Al Mazzetti, just because I love his chisel. It is just such a thing of beauty to watch. I love his chisel. Clayton, because I can't ever remember him missing a backhand. Not because it's big, but just because he doesn't miss. Rosenthal, James Rosenthal, quite a good backhand. It's Like I say, it's not one that's going to zing past you, but it's got some pace on it. He's such a good mover that when he gets to it, he's got time to clean it quite well. Robbo is because of his horrible slice. I hate it. Um, but the one I'm going to go with, actually, is... Um, I'm sorry if this is a little bit uh, nepotistic, but my, my, my wonderful wife, Joanna... Her backhand when she's playing row is a joke. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't think I'm winning any rally whereby I stick just to her backhand because she just drills it and it's it's firm and it's got a bit of topspin on it, but it's pretty much deep every time. So yeah, I'd, I'd go Joe for a backhand. Fantastic selection. It's been selected a few times. I don't blame you for going for it. All right, net game. Who? Okay, this this is a quick one. This is a quick one. Um, Bill is in there because, I mean, he's the Jedi, right? He's got good hands. If he's close to the net, he doesn't really miss a volley. Firmly, for the reasons I said earlier, because of his serve, he's already at the net. And so all he has to do is get some strings on it. He's like generally like windscreen wiping across the net, just waiting to find some strings. Um, but this is Golo's one. He's, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's anyone that hasn't gone for you, Golo, but it's quite... There was a, a many points on Sunday and many points in our previous matches where I think I've made a passing shot and then suddenly your racket just sticks out and it's like, nope, I'll have that. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's a great rally, actually, if uh, people listening haven't seen on the Touch Tennis page right now, where, Shu, I think you're out wide on your forehand, maybe, and Golo's at the net. You kind of clean one to him, and then Golo just gets there and gets the volley winner. Um, well, actually, that, that, that is a good video, but that's an example where I didn't think I'd passed him, because I already knew on the probably two shots before, because it went forehand, and then into my backhand, and by the time I got to the backhand, I was like, I know exactly what's happening here. I'm <laughs> I'm going to put this one back in play. He's going to go to my forehand and then he's going to put a volley away. That's all that's going to happen. <laughs> Movement. Uh, there's a few here, but I think I think the winner is, for me, quite clear. I think Saki's a good mover, but I don't know if it's because he's quick, but more because of his anticipation. He seems to be standing in the right place before before you've hit the ball. Willis, just because it's so effortless, he's inside the baseline, so he doesn't ever have a, a large distance to cover. He's only ever cutting off the angles. Yeah, Mould is a good mover. The thing about Mould is the fitness from the beginning to the end of the match. He he never slows down, whereas some people's movement gets worse in the third set. He doesn't, which is quite relentless. Robbo is obviously a good mover, but I'm I'm fed up of him winning this one. <laughs> um, chucking a new name in the mix, mix Ben Minsky's a good mover. And again, I nearly had him down for forehand or for backhand actually because he's great off both wings. But I think his movement is what makes him great because he's always in a, in a place to hit the ball at you know at the right height. Um, but for me, the winner is Hass. Like they're even on Sunday when he's got this injury and he's not in good shape. I don't mean fitness-wise. I mean like he's quite clearly in a lot of pain. He's yeah. still he's still getting to shots as I'm dragging him off the court this way, dragging him off the court that way. He's still getting there. It was painful to play against because I was I was looking down the other end of the court thinking I've beaten this guy a few times before. So if he's in a lot of pain, I should be winning quite easily. But he's I'm like thrilled in the second set. Like what is happening here? Yeah. I, I remember I was sat watching and you were my end at one point and you were just so kind of, it was second set you had won the first set Hass was kind of hobbling around basically playing on one leg and I think you just said to yourself like just make balls what am I doing like because at some point I think didn't you go like three love up maybe in the second set he was two love up two love and up and then I'm so, again, this is so narcissistic but I watched this game back because um, I remember thinking I've lost this set 
Uh, yeah. I've lost somehow. I've lost the second set, having won the first four love, and I watched the game back at two love, and I think I hit forehand winner, forehand winner, ace, ace at two love, and I was like, okay, well that's that's quite helpful. Thank, thanks a lot. Yeah. Um, but then I carried on trying to do it. I carried on trying to hit big winners, and I was like, I don't need to do it. I yeah, that's what you're saying. Yeah. The guy can't move, but this is what this is why he wins movement for me because even when he can't move, he can move. He can yeah. move. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So final one, mentality. Whose mental game you choose? Uh, well, after this one, I'm actually going to add a category on because I can't believe you haven't included it as a category. But I'll go. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, we're all for that. Ed Ellis, because he's got such a good balance of having a great time on court, having a laugh. I've never played him where we haven't like basically told each other a joke at the change events every single time, which is obviously nice to play against. But he's also got that competitive spirit as well. Dave Moak's quite similar. He's just takes the game in the right in the right spirit it's and you've had this debate a few times on this on this poly but it's when you say mentality I know you're leaving it up to me to choose whether I mean is it like competitive spirit or is it just having a good time in the right kind of frame of mind for touch tennis so I'm going for I'm going for a mix of both I've included Robbo because he, like, he could be four love three love up or like getting comfortably beaten and you've got no idea like his face is the same he's got a great poker face I've never heard him shout I've never seen him throw a racket I've I've only ever seen him say come on maybe twice yeah I don't understand how someone can have that kind of neutral a line like my line is like this yeah don't get it yeah um Rosenthal for similar reasons to Mokes and Ellis where he's just having a good time but still you know really wants to win but the guy I'm going for um, and this is purely based on my experience of playing against him because I I don't like it when someone's more intense than me because I like to be the most intense guy on the court so I think it I think it gets in their head a bit yeah and Guy Thomas is way more intense <laughs> I look down the other end of the court and I genuinely think sometimes he wants to either either like punch me or throw a racket at me. I, I don't mean in the sense of like, you know, we get on great, he's a good guy. But I look down the other end of the court and he really, really wants to win. And like I say, there's not many people I look down and think you want to win more than me. I like I like to have that as my strength, but he, he always does. Yeah. So guy, guy wins the mentality for me. Oh, fair enough. What's your extra category? Return of serve. Return is is for me it's one of the biggest things in touch because we always say about someone having a massive serve, but if that serve comes back at you, you've got I don't know the exact times, I've not used a stopwatch for it, but let's say you've got point two of a second from the serve coming off your racket and getting to the, the guy's racket. Yeah. And then if he hits a good return, he or she hits a good return, it's back at you in another point too. If you haven't finished your serve or if you haven't got your feet set by that point, you've lost the point when you think, oh my God, I should have won that. Um, And for me, the perfect example of that and the only contender I've got for this is Elliot Mould because, and this, maybe he just reads me. I don't know if you guys have seen that video of um, Agassi in the last week or so talking about reading Boris Becker's serve. Have you seen that? Where he reads his tongue. Yeah, he says if his tongue goes like this in the middle of his mouth, it means he's going down the T and if he goes like that it means he's going out wide I'm thinking your eyesight eyesight is outrageous (laughs) yeah but maybe Elliot's got that same thing on me and I do I've got some tick where he knows where I'm going but he takes my serve a few feet inside the baseline and doesn't just nudge it back but swings it back at me like almost harder than my serve and I don't know how he does it and it's probably the, the, the biggest challenge I've ever had you know I've faced I've faced Hass's forehand on a good day Golo's volleys on a good day Miotto serve on a good day and I think I've got a way to handle all of those things I don't necessarily handle it well but I've got a way I have no way to handle Elliot's return no fair play I, I like that cat- category we'll have a uh, I'll open it to the jury everyone in favor of adding that to the weekly pods no. say I <laughs> yeah okay majority vote it's in return of serve all right 
So I have sent you a list of words that you are going to need beside you. I'm going to get my stopwatch up. I'm going to give you 90 seconds. The score so far to beat is George Smith. And I don't know how George Smith is actually top because he wasted a lot of time. Well, it wasn't really his fault, but he was kind of lagging out, wasn't he, Golo? There's quite a few answers here of George's. For some reason, I've just got a calculator up. That shows that I'm just really not sure what I'm doing. Right. 90 seconds. So you can't say the word. You just got to say, um, describe it. The description. Um, yeah. yeah. 14 is one feet. Full disclosure, I'm a big board game fan and I play a lot of Articulate, so I'm uh, quite looking forward to this. Oh, uh, <laughs> all right. I'm failure though now, so. Yeah. Go. Okay, what does a skateboarder do against a railing? Grind. Yeah. Uh, what's a rubbish player known as? A rabbit? Bunny. Yeah. What's Rashid's nickname? The goat. The venue in Surrey where the Summer Slam is? Waybridge. Yeah. Um, the machine? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Clayton is the gloat because of that shot. Oh, the lob. Yeah. Um, a shot through your legs? Tweener. Hot yeah. Dog. Um, if you win some uh, four love against someone? Bagel. Yeah. Um, captain? Hook. Yeah. Um, uh, Alex Ball stands over the line when he serves every time. Foot fault. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the best girl players around. She was there at the weekend. Joe Horn. Oh, Lucy Coles. Yeah. Uh, the guy I beat in the final. Pass. The brand of racket that I use. Bablat. The material of the ball. Foam. Uh, not a kick serve, but one that's... Flat. Yeah. Um, you've got to stand inside it when you're the returner's partner in box. Yeah. Um, Robbo's got a good one. Chisel, slice. Yeah. Um, the Roland Garros... Uh, surface clay and the length of the touch tennis racket 21 inch oh. oh wow shoot i have never had any well we have never had anyone make the whole list <laughs> so i'm gonna have to uh extend the list i'm gonna have to extend the list yes Golo. wow <laughs> um, so the score to be so I just give I just quickly go from bottom to top because it's not a very big leaderboard. We got Murphy at the bottom with ten because he said thank you after every one, <laughs> and that wasted a lot of time. Uh, Clayton with eleven, Lucy with twelve, George Smith with fourteen, and now we've got you up there with twenty-two. <laughs> not even, um, not even close. That is too good. Who who knew the hours of articulate would yeah would some wind up with. Uh, yeah, we being at the leaderboard. Wow. Yeah, I'm more proud of that than the trophy on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that got me, that I, the, the, the second I knew you were going to be good, is you went from kind of sitting in your chair to like <laughs> two feet, not even two feet. Oh, my feet is out today. I said 10 foot earlier. I'm just going to end that sentence there. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Stu, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure to, one, see you last week and see you win. And two, speak to you today. Um, yeah, we wish you well. And we hope to see you at the whenever the next event is. Um, I know we're all kind of staring at our screens, waiting for one to pop up just so we can put it in the diary. Um, yeah, the, the, the prospects of Gullah hosting one, or I think you talked to Sean last week about him hosting one. I, yeah. I, was, away from, I was away from the sport, not just because of COVID, but because of my shoulder for a little while. And coming back on Sunday, it just reminded me how much I love it. And, um, you know, we're lucky that we've got a baby on the way. Hopefully it's only going to be a few weeks, but even when I've got a little one around, I think I'll have to bring her along to events and, um, you know, the touch tennis family can be babysitters whilst I'm on court, but I I don't want, I don't want it to be an excuse for not showing up. 
<laughs> but in all seriousness, boys, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot for having me today. Obviously, it's been great fun. But I think the most important thing, and I think probably a lot of people would say the same thing, is thank you, boys, for setting this up, like the whole Touch on Air podcast, because I, I, I'm sad to say that, or I'm not sad to say, I'm happy to say, I've listened to every single one, like in my car, when I've been driving anywhere, just stick it on. Um, it's very professionally done by you boys, and I think it's just good entertainment. So thanks a lot for doing it. No, thank you very much. Um, yeah, great to hear. Yeah, but yeah, we look forward to seeing your events and a uh, little touch tennis player, hopefully there, that we can all help babysit. See you soon, Stu. Cheers, guys. See you later. See you later on. Right, he's gone. What truly happened in that match? <laughs> no uh, holds barred. Anything that you missed that you didn't want to say there? or Nah, I just think so. the, the ball was a, a very, very deciding factor, I think. If, we, if we'd have gone to a new ball in the third, yeah, I think I would have had that freedom to hit bigger again. But got to play it how it is, and he played the he played better than me with the conditions we had. Yeah, no, fair enough. Simple. One thing that we didn't mention when we talk about highlights, and this will only tickle a few people. In my match, I was massively stroke. My fitness was terrible. But one thing that kept me going throughout the day is just random Vedansk Call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. Um, I'm sure there's many people watching going, what's a stim? Why is he chanting that he needs a stim? But it really... How's, oh. he, how's he got out of the gulag? What's the yeah. gulag? That, that video that Rash posted of me and you're like, oh, he's got to get out of the gulag. And it's, oh, he's throwing knife dim. Like, <laughs> oh, made me chuckle. It was real good. Golo, thank you as always for joining me on the podcast. Uh, guys, this... This podcast can be found where you're listening to it right now. Also, you know, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, make sure you give it a subscribe, give it a share. All the feedback we've been getting. I mean, last week was quite, I can't really think of the word, but it was just really nice to kind of see people for the first time. But not only that, they were like, oh, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Like, I've been listening to it when I've been, you know, on my own for a bit, just needed something to kind of take my mind off things. And ultimately, that's why we did this, right? We, you know, we're not in this for money. We're not in this for... uh, for viewing figures or anything like that. It's just adding a bit of extra touch tennis content and just keeping people occupied when when they need a, a voice, I guess, just to somebody in, in their ears, just to take their mind off things. And um, so all feedback, me and Golo, massively, massively appreciate. Um, and I don't know if Golo was aware of this, actually, but a couple of days ago, we actually hit 700 listens. Let's go. On our way to 1,000. Um, but yeah, very cool. Golo, I will see you soon. Yeah. Everyone Probably else, in Verdansk. Yeah, I'll see you in Verdansk. <laughs> <laughs> See you soon.